my gosh, we are on episode 10. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> Here we are. We are at a decade that doesn't match. Uh, we're at 10. <laughs> 10. Anyway, what's up, everybody? <laughs> we are calling all nerds, and you have answered the call, the beacon in the sky. We are your friendly neighborhood hosts that talk about everything within the entertainment zeitgeist, and we are so excited to talk about some amazing stuff tonight with you all. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for episode 10. Uh, and like Tyler was saying, it's so cool to see that we are now officially in the double digits. Uh, we really have just a few main topics today. This is probably not going to be a very long one for, for this week, but that's fine. Um, but we got some main topics. Uh, first off being CD Projekt Red's apology that they officially announced. <laughs> we also have some crazy Lucasfilm news. Uh, oh, with they're going crazy. The what? They're going crazy. Yeah, they're going crazy. Star Wars is no longer EA exclusive. And so now all heck is breaking loose. All these <laughs> new ideas. And thank God EA is no longer in control because now we can finally get some great games. Except that they did do a good job with Jedi Fallen Order. They did. I will they did. give them that. I kind of am sad because now that it's no longer under EA, I don't know if we're ever going to see a sequel to that game. <laughs> probably not. So, <laughs> probably not. But I'm. that's okay. That game was still great. And then finally, uh, Bethesda Machine Games is going to be making their own original Indiana Jones game. And so, I mean, we're getting some we're getting some classic new stuff here from Star Wars to Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, this is some like old school stuff. Um, and so, those are our main topics for today. And then, of course, as you all know, we will then go on to upcoming games that we're anticipating for the rest of this month, what we both are playing currently, and then our favorite entertainment of the week that we will talk to you about. Uh, and then normally with our upcoming games, uh, it's like I'm this week we're including something that's not a game. So we're going to yeah. be including um, some news about a new film that Tom Holland uh, is not going Spider-Man. To be it's, it's not Spider-Man. Yeah. It, it was kind of disappointing. It was teased and it was weird. And it was annoyed, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Tom Holland and we love him. So yeah. we'll, we'll give him some credit. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I thought we could go ahead and start off with kind of some crazy news. And I really want to see your opinion on this, Tyler. This is kind of my main topic, I guess, that I kind of have researched, I would say, out of the three. Uh, But this is in regards to CD Projekt Red's apology. And so what this was, was on the 13th, uh, Wednesday, CD Projekt Red on their YouTube site posted a video titled cyberpunk 2077 our commitment to quality and we will have a link to said video Mm -hmm. um in the youtube links uh so that you can watch it there if you are feel so inclined but it was basically a quick five minute video of a very subdued co-founder uh marcin iwinski i totally am butchering his polish name um so i apologize to him He's not listening, I'm sure, but, you know, I always hate when I mispronounce people's names. <laughs> Our Basically condolences. Co- yeah. Basically, the co-founder of CD Projekt Red came out and apologized on behalf of the company for just the absolute train wreck uh, that the release of Cyberpunk 2077 has been. Uh, and he, But in a lot of ways, just from watching the video, they, they didn't really take ownership of any kind of wrongdoing um which i mean it's it's pretty pretty you can't really hide the fact that they were kind of caught in the act with how they released (laughs) this game they kind of talk about how 
you know, they were working on the base console version of the game in this video up to date for like a day zero patch. And they thought that with the day zero patch, it was going to fix all the issues that the base console would have, which, yep. you, you know, just reading the comments in YouTube from other develop like big developers, they were like, yeah, I'm calling bullcrap on this because no one like nobody believes a day zero patch is supposed to fix yeah basically like, did the entire you turn game. on a ps4 and look at the game because <laughs> if you did it that's a problem yeah and so they kind of put the blame they said not to blame the developers which we didn't in the first no place one, but no one yeah no one was no believing one, that. We, we were blaming the the right the executives for making the decision because their bottom line is they want to have their investors happy um, to get more money and their investors are not happy. No one's happy. They're kind of reaping what they're sowing at this point. Um, but basically they kind of put the blame like in no uncertain terms. Like he kind of said, Oh yeah, this was just not caught during QA. And so basically we're supposed to believe that QA at no point had warned them that <laughs> the base console versions were basically unplayable. Yeah. Um, up to the release of the game and you know it just kind of goes into that whole discussion we had all those weeks ago when this game was released that you know it was only able to be reviewed on pc that you were not allowed to use anything but beta footage oh, see that, that's the other shady part right yeah it was so shady because they knew that they were releasing a game that was not ready and they thought they could get away with it and um you know obviously this is a this is an attempt to win back goodwill. I mean, it is honestly pretty surprising to see any kind of founder of a company come out personally and make a video of talking about their commitment to a game. But it just seems completely half-hearted. Like, it kind of feels like they've missed the entire the entire real issue. Or not that they're missing it, but that they're trying to hide it still. That they're trying to, like, come out and say, oh, look, we're apologizing, but you're really not owning up to anything. And... Um, and then at the very end of the video, they he showed, or Marston showed a roadmap of 2021 of, of what's going on with this game. And it's a very uh, bland Big. roadmap. Like, it looks like a roadmap that someone made up in, like, an hour. Yeah. Um, because literally it says for, like, January and February, there's going to be two major patches, patch 1.01 and 1.02. And then it's just complete gray. Like, yep. it's saying, like, and then throughout the rest of this year, we are going to be you know, uh, releasing multiple more patches uh, with a plan to release our first round of DLC uh, in this, the first half of this year. And then by the second half of this year, releasing the next generation version of this game. Yeah, which is a very... And <laughs> the way this is positioned to try to help with like people who might be listening, well, I guess even our, our live site doesn't show it, but... To try to like anal like picture this, so you have 2021 on the left side and 2022 on the right side. So right. patch one and patch one point or 1.1 and 1.2 are definitely Q1, but then literally the entire rest of it is this gray area. So you have a very small like fourth of the entire line. Honestly, like even less than a fourth is yeah. these first two patches, and then it just says multiple updates. And the one thing to kind of note is now picture in that gray line, free DLC is on the left, kind of towards the start, whereas free next-gen console update 
It's definitely down the line, a little more close to that 2022 area. Um, yeah. So it, it it's f- interesting to see that because it's like how, you know, how much longer will it take? It might take that 1.1, 1.2 to help previous gen might take to about March, let's say. Then brings the question, yeah, maybe you should have just waited till March to release the game. And then or the console versions, or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, like wait maybe till for the console versions because that's not that's not uncommon. I've seen plenty of games that have come out on PC first, waited a while. Sure, they're like they're indie games. A lot of the times that you see people do that, so like Stardew Valley is a great example that came out on PC first. You know, as it got right. popular, it trickled down into others. I know Cyberpunk's a little bigger of a game to do that, but you could. You know, you could release it and a few months down the road, allow console players to get it, um, especially with a big desire of console players wanting to play it on the next gen. You can't even really get a next gen console right now anyways. So maybe releasing it a little bit later, you still probably would have had a bunch of pre-orders. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a weird graph. Definitely take a look at it. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's just so weird, man. And it just makes me really worried about this, the future of this franchise. Like, because I mean, at this point, if they're saying that, you know, they're going to be working on fixing this up until a year from now, how many people yeah. are still going to be playing? How many people are still going to be playing this game? You know, cause we are officially yeah. in a new generation of console. Granted, it is a very slow beginning to new generation of console, probably the slowest generation shift ever partly because of covid but also partly because there's not that many new games out for these first three months of the new console generation as well as you can't get a hand you can't get a hold of one like i'm Mm -hmm. still trying to find one and i uh, i honestly don't think i'm going to be able to get a ps5 until like two months from now probably unless i get lucky yeah um but it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, by the time that they fix all these issues, if they do for the base console, which honestly they have to, they have to fix the base console um, before they release the next gen, you know, edition of it. Or otherwise, like no one can upgrade from the base gen to the next gen. Like mm-hmm. this game is, that's the crazy part. This game is still not available to buy on PlayStation. You cannot buy this game right <laughs> oh, yeah, now I forgot about on the PlayStation that. store. I just took it off. I forgot about that. And, and I mean, just from what we've we've been reading over the last few weeks, the amount of people playing this game on Steam on PC is is drastically dropping. You know, people are beating this game and then they're just not going back to it. And so, you know, you're you're not getting a huge game base of people. You, you know, I, I don't know how it was with The Witcher Three when it was released, but that was a game that just people wanted to stay in for a very long time. And then they just pretty, pretty like quickly released the big expansions like Heart of Steel and you know, um, um, oh, Blood, and, Blood and Blood, Wine, yeah, which was an amazing Blood. expansion. And they released those, I, I believe, within the, either the same year or within a year and a half of the game's release. And it just kept people coming back to it. And that's yeah. why Witcher Three was so successful was because people just wanted to keep playing it. I, and, I did hear that Witcher One had like some bugs for sure, uh, right? So, like the very first one that came out, but I don't think between the Witchers 
it got to an extent of unplayable. I think they were definitely like playable states. Oh um, yeah. And there weren't as many game breaking bugs that were being found like they had in cyberpunk. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I really just think CD project red bit off more than they could chew with this world. I mean, just the verticality of the, you know, they, I just feel like they just kept running into problems. I mean, even the co-founder said that, like they just kept running into issues that would break the game. And I, I really think that they were just in over their heads on this. They were, I, I feel like they had the right amount of ambition. They just did not have the follow through to really make this the game they wanted to make it. You know, they kind of always hyped up how this world was going to be livable. Every NPC had a story if you followed them around. And then you see people saying, like, these NPCs are mindless drones. Like, there's, oh, there's yeah. no... There's you can't no... have, like, full conversations. You can't talk to any right. of the smaller shops that are just posted around. Uh, there's also annoying bugs where if you accidentally shoot a gun or swing a weapon, if you look at a crowd, no turn around reacts. and then look back, they all disappear. They just they, they literally just disappear. So their their quote unquote living breathing community just literally disappears. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. This was this was living and breathing, huh? This is pretty dead. <laughs> And, you know, and then th now there's like a federal class action lawsuit against CD Projekt Red for releasing a game under like false pretenses from from, you know, from a consumer point of view. And it's just such a mess. It just makes me sad to see them fall so low. And, you know, I just I feel like they thought coming out with this video was going to mend fences. And I, I just I don't think it's enough. I don't think they've won back any kind of goodwill with this because no one's really yeah buying it like so, no one's really buying it like you can't really say anything at this point like take a mm -hmm. take a page out of the book of the guys who did um oh this the space game i the name escapes me the, space you, game you played it the what space game yeah the, there was that game that came out and everybody like hated it and the company like went dark oh for no man's sky no hashtag man's sky, no man's you. lie yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're and, called, you know, they, oh, gosh, they had their redemption story and came back and just really made this game amazing. And, <laughs> you know, it's I, I just so funny with them. So with No Man's Sky, everybody knows about their, their, their redemption, right? Everybody knows that it happened. They commend Hello Games for doing a good job. And everybody's like, please don't be like them. <laughs> it's like, good job. That Hello Games came up and came out on top and had a redemption, but please, everyone's like, please, for the love of God, do not be like them. Please just make a game and do not have to go through what they did. Because not many people would survive that. I'm surprised Hello no. Games survived what they did. And it's just like, it's just funny because everybody knows them for that for sure, that they made it through. And it's like, good job. Just please don't anybody ever copy this because it was awful. <laughs> Oh yeah, and and I mean to close out this topic, I I, I agree. I, I just hope that this this whole kerfuffle with with CD oh, Projekt Red that thanks <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of at this point. I, like I I just hope that it changes the industry for the better to like be like that that like oh man we cannot pull this because it's going to destroy us or it's going to like really not 
do well for our company. Yeah. Um, so I hope that it, I hope that it's better. It, it really kind of, it, it really kind of pushes the question of are pre-orders worth it? Are, are you like, are, I don't, are you, I'm done with pre-orders, man. I, I am too. Honestly, I am too. Like I've been burned so many times with pre-orders and I'm just kind of over it. I'm like, you know what? When the game comes out and I see the reviews for it, I'm going to buy it if I want to play it. Yeah. And you can get it day of now and you're good. Yeah. It, there's just no incentive to pre-order anything anymore. And you, you honestly, you don't owe them a pre-order. Like mm-hmm. they have to prove to you that their game is worth it. Yeah. No, definitely. So, yeah. I'm kind of over it, but yeah, <laughs> especially with the digital age, digital age makes the question of pre-orders, at least for me, I've been questioning it a lot. I started going pretty hardcore digital only whenever I got either my PS4 or my Xbox One. And my PS4. So my PS4 really drove pretty hard, a whole digital thing. I, I was buying physical copies of games at first, right? Like, so I have games like Until Dawn, Uncharted, Bloodborne, Spider-Man. Like I have, well, Spider-Man I got later on because it was on sale for like five bucks, but I have like a lot of early on games as discs, but then you can definitely tell as time went on, I started getting more into digital and I watched, uh, I still watch a streamer and his name is Dan's Gaming. And whenever I would watch him, he would get that question asked of, hey, are you pre-ordering X game? And he would always just say, no, what's the point in pre-ordering? I can just get the game the day of. And I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, yeah, why am I pre-ordering? Like, I can just wait. And another part of his thing was, I'll just wait till day of, because if it blows, I don't have to get it. If it's great, cool, I'll just start the download in the morning and then play it later. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. And yeah. I, yeah, I think that's definitely probably the route I'm going to try to try to remind myself, you know, if, if I do have this urge to pre-order, be like, oh, hold on, <laughs> don't forget, let's wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a transition. Like, you know, like we're so used in, in, in the gaming community to pre-order games that, you know, it, it almost it almost seems like second nature. You see a game coming out and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally just going to buy it right now. Yeah. And then it, it's ready. I don't have to think about it. And it's like, well, no, like just just be patient and wait like just like a few hours and you can see if it's worth it or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. But Yeah. But did you want to move on to, yeah, honestly, so, probably one of the bigger topics on, on here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lu- so Lucasfilm Games won. They came back, right? Because Lucasfilm Games wasn't, it like was gone, but then it came back to life. I remember seeing like a tweet or something like that. Yeah. Um, they came back. I'll try to see if I can find it later to kind of mention it. But it was like a, it was like a whole big deal that Lucasfilm Games kind of came back. And that was where the teases started to begin. And so what happened was Lucasfilm Games is now teaming up for two separate games. One with Ubisoft and one with Bethesda. One is making Star Wars. The other is making Indiana Jones, which I think is so cool. Uh, so the first one that we'll talk about That's a good is idea. definitely the Star Wars. It is no longer an EA exclusive. Max talked about that in the beginning, where it could mean some sad things with you know um, 
fallen order but it probably definitely means a lot more good things <laughs> so yeah. i have a i have an article here and it looks like it's from like ubisoft's news site so i, I, don't, I don't have an author per se it just sort of says ubisoft uh, i was going to read the first kind of two statements uh so it says ubisoft and lucasfilm games have announced a new or a collaboration on a new star wars game development on the project will be led by massive entertainment whose expertise and talents will be used to create a story driven open world experience within the star wars galaxy that will also utilize the studio's cutting edge technology and advancements including snowdrop engine which i'll go into in a second the vast star wars lore is an incredible source of inspiration for our teams said yevez guillemont maybe he is the co-founder and ceo of ubisoft this is the beginning of a long-term collaboration with disney and lucasfilm games and we are pleased to be working hard in working hand in hand to build upon the incredible legacy of lucasfilm to create a game that we know star wars fans will love so one kind of thing to kind of take from this um in the beginning it did talk about the actual uh like development team so this one will be massive entertainment who was underneath ubisoft and i looked up like what snowdrop was because i I did not know like right away what that was Uh, so games that are using snowdrop right now include games such as tom clancy's the division mario rabbids kingdom battle uh south park Mm. the fractured butthole uh starlink (laughs) battle for atlas tom clancy's division 2 and untitled and these are now these are four tba games it says untitled avatar game the settlers rabbids adventure party and then the untitled star wars game so I right. thought that part was a little interesting, mainly because I do know what Division, Rabbids, and South Park are. And they're very three different games. So I thought that was just kind of interesting that they all kind of run off this same Snowdrop engine, um, which I thought was kind of yeah, cool. Makes me wonder kind of how it's going to look. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, when I when I read that, you know, I, I, I heard Ubisoft. I, I'm not the best when it comes to knowing these, like, subsidiary companies that are, like, underneath others. So when I'm thinking Ubisoft, of course, I'm thinking, you know, Assassin's Creed. I'm thinking, like, the new um, Gods and Monsters games that I just played. So in my head, right. I was like, oh, okay, like, Snowdrop, maybe that's what they call that whole, like, Assassin's Creed thing because they're claiming it's going to be, like, an open world uh, an open world like story driven so maybe it'll run but now yeah I, I was very surprised to see that oh this is the rabbits engine which hey rabbits was a great game don't know if that really really shows much about the engine it was a great game um so it, it'll, it'll be kind of cool kind of cool to see i'm um i'm very curious because i know that like ubisoft can make some cool stuff but then they we've talked about this in the past they can make some very repetitive copy and paste stuff um you typically see it within the same titles uh so when by that i mean you know when you play assassin's creed and you play another assassin's creed you see you, you see a good copy and pasting going on uh with the gods and monsters games it was pretty nice to see that it was a little different uh, had some similar elements but it was more like that breath of the wild so yep. i hope that this 
does take a whole new span. Like it might pull from some Assassin's Creed stuff, maybe. It might pull from some of the Phoenix Rising stuff, maybe. But I do hope that it is like its own third category. Like when I think of Ubisoft, I have their Assassin's Creed stuff in one section. I wouldn't put Phoenix in its own section because it is a new game, but I guess we could for just purposes like this. And then I hope that this third section of open world is what this Star Wars falls under because I would like to see something new and fresh. And I, I think fans would definitely need that because if they do follow suit of an Assassin's Creed, I'm already can hear it now of people reviewing it saying game was fun, got repetitive, did boring Jedi work, do this fetch quests, boring. (laughs) So it'd be, you know, I could see this going either way. I'm excited, very hyped. Yeah, not very hyped. I'm just very excited, but I'm also trying to not like get too into it because it really could go both ways. The thing is, for me, is you're right. I mean, this game is far out, yeah. first and foremost. Like, yes. it, like, like, we will probably not see this game until, like, 2024, 2025. Yeah, correct. Um, because they are, they according to them, they are at the not beginning have... of a new journey. They're still right, working yeah. out details, so they don't even have anything. Yeah, and I mean, they honestly could not do anything until that contract with EA um, was completed. Yeah. Uh, They probably already had like some ideas in the works of... And and the thing is, too, with that is with with a IP like Star Wars, I think that Ubisoft knows that they don't want to do another cookie-cutter kind of job. And I think that's why they gave it to massive entertainment um, or massive games, whatever, like, because their games are all a little unique in their own ways. You know, you, you do kind of talk about Assassin's Creed kind of being copy and paste granted division and division two are kind of that same kind of style. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have rabbits and you have South park, which are very in their own kind of lane. They, they both are very unique in how they're created. So I, personally would would be shocked if they just tried to make a generic assassin's creed type open world with like just massive map and a lot of you know drop points to hit and find things i I feel like they have to know what they have here and i mean they talk about open world this is star wars like there are multiple worlds a big world Right, it's 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 a, a universe, really. So it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I kind of hope that they take a page out of Jedi Fallen Order's book and kind of make semi open worlds, like semi world maps for each planet. You know, like like go to like allow for movement between planets and stuff like that, but don't make it so utterly massive in scope that there's that it's stretched so thin that there's not anything to enrich the planets that you are on. And this is all just talking out of my butt. Like I have no idea what they plan to do, but I I have, there's part of me that has faith. They're going to try to take this a different direction. They've probably seen why EA lost the license rights after 10 years, because they weren't able until the very last two years to come out with anything substantial. And so you know, or something that was like different than we've seen before. So I, I kind of hope that Ubisoft 
doesn't take this for granted and make something really unique. Yeah, and I I like at the end of this article um, that I did post for everybody to see at the end, uh, it does talk about a pretty interesting question where it says, with two major franchises, Star Wars and Avatar, being developed by Massive Entertainment, what makes Ubisoft uniquely suited for developing games based on major IPs? And that's a pretty good note. You know, like they are, they are working on some pretty big worlds. Like Avatar, that's a big world. Um, yeah. And Star Wars, another big world. And it is kind of like, yeah, do they kind of, I guess, stemming with what we just talked about with Cyberpunk, that's a company doing the same thing. They have their Witcher world, which is a big one. They have the Cyberpunk world, another big one. So the way they did it was they, you know, split in half. At least this is how they claim. It's probably not 100% in half, but... So they cut it in half, and they say, you know, these resources go there to Witcher. These resources go to Cyberpunk. Boom. With Ubisoft, I wonder if they're doing, I assume, maybe something similar. Like, you guys go to Avatar, you guys go to Star Wars. Or because they're taking the time to have it so spread... It's like, nah, it's like, you know, like 80, 90% Avatar, 10% Star Wars. As time, years progress, that, that you know, that divide will get smaller to a 50-50, to a 40-60, 30-70, and then eventually the game, Avatar will be out. Then it's like more work on Star you know. So it is kind of right. cool to see that, one, they're getting some, you know, pretty big major titles because it's exciting. It's fun to see companies grow and what they do. Uh, and scattered throughout this article, obviously it's a PR article, so they're going to have kind of like the typical words that you would think, but they definitely really talk about Snowdrop a lot and how this engine is going to really help them because of its capabilities, which is cool. Obviously they're going to say, they're not going to say, yeah, you know, Snowdrop, it's all right. You know, 10% of the time it works all the time. So they're going to tell you, <laughs> they're going to tell you it's awesome. Which it's right. it's fine. I'll take it for what they say. Cool. So it'd be nice to see what it can do. Then, like, yeah, show us, show us what it'll do. But yeah, that's that's definitely a big move. And like you were saying, it's sad because it might mean that Jedi Fallen Order is just kind of how it is. Um, who knows? Kind of what's going to happen to that game? We'll see. You know, we'll we'll definitely see in the future. But. Yeah, that part, that part is the sad part, but I think there's a lot to learn from EA and kind of the mistakes. It's not unknown about the Battlefront 2, or yeah, Battlefront 2 with the micros, oh, yeah. or was that one? Whichever one much, that was, that was, oh my word. Yeah, Battlefront 2 pretty much single-handedly ended microtransactions, like oh my the, word. The, the huge use of microtransactions across the board of games. Just absolutely um, annihilated it, and it tanked their stock prices like crazy yeah so, it was not a good look and a lot um, of people I mean, have learned from it a lot yeah. of companies have taken a lot from ea's mistake <laughs> yeah and like i mean microtransactions are definitely th still a thing but nowadays i really just see them in like cosmetics mm -hmm. um really Typically you only see only. a lot of them you really you only see a lot of them still in like sports games like 2k or um oh yeah 2k loves doing micros yeah, really any sports game, that's that's really still something that's a... So I guess it's... Yeah, I guess it's still a natural thing for, like, multiplayer games that are, like, 
no story. It's all just kind of the same events over and over again. I probably see a lot more of them in those types of games, which is annoying, but those aren't really games that I play. So I guess to me, it feels like I don't really hear or see them a lot anymore. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they do have them in Assassin's Creed and like Phoenix. It is cosmetic only, but right. I'm not sure if Assassin's Creed does it, but with Phoenix rising, you can do in game challenges to get like cool, um, cosmetic stuff without actually having to buy it through real money. So I think that's kind of nice. Like they're pretty, they're like, some of them are super challenging too. You do challenges to get tokens to then spend like in the game. Um, so I can see something cool like that with this, where it's like, Hey, you know, you're a single Jedi go defend against, you know, like 300 enemies. And if you do, you get some tokens to go spend on maybe getting a really cool lightsaber or something like that. Like, I, I kind of think that'll be a thing. But yeah. I don't get too bothered, kind of like what you were saying. But but the cool thing is Lucasfilm ain't stopping there. They're, they're, yep. st- they're still going with a... This is cool. They did a teaser video. I think I saw it through Twitter. It's probably on YouTube. I'm not too sure. I think I posted their Twitter link. But they have a teaser video. And it is now announcing that Lucasfilms and Bethesda are making an Indiana Jones game. There wasn't much given to this on the face value. If you look deeper into the, uh, into the video, there's a lot of cool, like hidden Easter eggs. So I have kind of like two articles that I posted. So one is from Bethesda's website, similar to Ubisoft. It's kind of like the quote unquote, official kind of announcement that shows their tweet just kind of saying hey the standalone adventure starring the legendary archaeologist will tell a wholly original tale set in the height of the career of the famed adventurer and it's like look at our tweet look at our video word but there's a really cool games radar article and this one was written by Alyssa mercante and she talks about how there's and she references other people too there's a lot of cool apparently like hidden stuff throughout this little short clip that they have so apparently like there's an easter egg to certain things that are obvious but then others that maybe aren't so there's some nods to bethesda some to machine games some to lucasfilm games there's even a todd howard like hidden easter egg inside of it somewhere and like i guess they assume this is like indiana's desk or whatnot and then there's hard to see clues that show like i think one of them let me scroll down oh so apparently there's a plane ticket to Rome um, which places the game in 1937 which means it falls between the events of Raiders of the Locks Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade so that's kind of interesting so this would be a really cool article I would suggest kind of people going through and reading and there's probably some pretty cool YouTube videos out there as well of like YouTubers maybe like analyzing the video and picking out the little things that they see so it's definitely not like a 
it's not like a, Hey, look at all this content. It's more of like a, Hey, can you find the content? Can you find the Easter eggs? Which is so cool. Cause it's Indiana Jones. And that's what he yeah. does. He searches for clues and he, he tries to find, you know, the lost Ark. He tries to find all these kind of things. So I love that. That's the way they tease. This is with you doing investigation work if you want to, you know, and I just thought that was really neat. So yeah. So big Indiana Jones game coming. What are you, what are you, what are your thoughts on that one? I mean, I'm super excited. I, I love machine games. I love Indiana. I am very interested to see how this game is because I, my first thought when I think of machine games is, is, is gore. Honestly, it's, it's like, like, it's like blood right? and guts, you know, like it's like, I think of Wolfenstein. Yeah. I think of doom. I think of these games that are very bloody, very gruesome. Yeah. Definitely. The best, Indiana Jones. You know, Quake. honestly, the cleanest and, and super tight shooters that I've ever played. And I really love, but Indiana Jones is not very, it's not really known for being that gruesome. It's not really mm-hmm. known for being ultra violent or, um, you know, like dark or anything like that. I mean, there's temple of doom, but that's dark in the sense of he's facing a cult more than anything else. But, you know, uh, like I'm very interested to see if machine games is able to take this route and and they could have already have done this before that. I just may not be aware of, but you know, I imagine I would hope at least that this game takes on a little bit of a lighter tone. I I imagine it'll still, I imagine it'll still be a first-person shooter, which makes sense. I mean, Indiana Jones is a gunslinger. Uh, you use a whip, um, and so I like when I when I first heard about this in my head, I pictured first-person, you know, running through Rome or wherever you're going with your little pistol or whatever gun you have, kind of being like a pulp action kind of style. You know, Uncharted is very much so a. a a spiritual successor to Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is kind of that, you know, best known classic adventure story of a hero who's in way over his head and is kind of just a regular Joe, but survives by the scuff of his pants. You know, like he's just kind of the guy that you can be behind because he's full of charm and charisma. And even though he kills people left and right, you know, like, like it doesn't really bother you. Yeah. And so, I imagine there's going to be a lot of shooting. I imagine there's going to be a lot of fighting, but I really hope that they try to do something new. And, and like you said, involve a lot of cool puzzles, even if it Mm -hmm. is first person, that could be really cool. I really hope this is more like temple oriented and him like discovering ancient sites. uh, If it is in Rome or wherever this game's going to help be held. And it'd be more about like those puzzles and finding the adventure of it all, instead of just killing mindlessly. Um, which if they do that will be a very welcome change for machine games that I I'd really love for them to kind of un like uh, unmask, you know, like, like yeah. I feel like all I've ever seen of them is that really ultra violent kind of game style, which, you know, really no one else does it quite like them. So I enjoy it, but I I'd like to see them try something new and who knows, they could honestly completely surprise us and come out with a third person, like, adventure game that looks just like uncharted except that you're playing indiana jones but yeah i feel like that would honestly kind of be to their detriment because uncharted already does that the best and so it's like well 
we don't want this to feel like Uncharted. We want this to feel like Indiana Jones, you know? And so I feel like it would be really cool if they could make it work in first person. Yeah, for sure. Now, I do know, like, machine games didn't do Doom. They only did Wolfenstein. Oh, you're right. That I'm was, sorry. That was it the did Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I only... I thought machine games did No, it's all good. Or... I thought so at first. The only reason why I asked or why I say this because I, I, I was going to say I've noticed Doom has started to, like, up their puzzle game, but they're not, like, that intense. So I was kind of like, oh, no, like, I don't really know how well I could do puzzles. But I never played the Wolfenstein games. I know that you have. Did you... Were, like, inside of those games, were there, like, some kind of complex puzzles or whatnot? Or do you think no. doing... Oh, so doing puzzles is, like, probably like a newer thing for them. I mean, there were, like, moments in the Wolfen... You're right. You're absolutely right. Machine Games has only ever done Wolfenstein. And then, like, they did one Quake game... Yeah. Um, in 2016 but everything else has been wolfenstein um i mean i've played through all of the wolfenstein games there's never like super hard puzzles there are like platforming moments where you kind of have to like figure out how to get to the next room or something Mm -hmm. like that but it's never never anything super in depth it's usually just shooting something uh you know they're very much ultra violent games whereas i i think this is a welcome new new journey for machine games i i kind of hope they take advantage of it and make it really cool yeah it, i think it definitely like what you were saying it, it definitely needs good puzzles because i think that'll be kind of what's fun just running yeah. around as indiana jones like shooting and killing would be kind of weird <laughs> i wouldn't really think it's that yeah, enjoyable it, so that's having, not what we know indiana jones for exactly you know? yeah so it it does make me curious to see kind of what minds they're going to be throwing at this game to be able to pull off like good puzzles. You know, is it going to be third person? Is it going to be first person? Are they going to try to follow suit a little bit with the uncharted? Probably. I mean, if I was making it, I would probably do some stuff that was like uncharted. Cause if it ain't, if, if it ain't broke, you know, it's like for sure. I mean, cause they're definitely similar characters you know you have like the wittiness the funniness the charm all like what you're saying and so yeah take take some of what's been working for the uncharted series because obviously it did well um but unlike the uncharted at least you get to start with a character that people are already are familiar with right like when you bring a new person in like nathan drake it is kind of like oh we got to build this guy up we got to make the crowd love him right at least with Indiana Jones, it's like there's a lot of people who already love Indiana Jones. Yeah. There's a lot of people there, who already know, okay, this in, is what he is. This is how I expect it to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Indiana Jones is probably like one of the top five classic movie heroes that everyone knows who Indiana Jones is. Yeah, it's which is a double-edged as, sword. It's the, same as, it's the same as Star Wars. Everyone knows what Star Wars is. Everyone knows what Jurassic Park is. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones falls into that into that zeitgeist of like, this is a character people know, even if they've never seen the movies, they know who Indiana Jones is. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah. Yeah, and like, it definitely is a double-edged sword because... One, it's nice that you have a character that everybody knows, or at least a lot of people know, but it also could be kind of bad that you have a character that everybody knows because everybody's expectations 
have already kind of started to right. fill in. Like we've already started to fill in the gaps of, Hey, this is my interpretation of Indiana Jones. What do you give out? And if you have something that's like totally wrong, even if you're trying to like have a nice creative outlet of saying, yeah, this is how we think Indiana Jones is. It's going to be like, uh, you're the only one because nobody else thinks that's how Indiana Jones is. So <laughs> it could, it could hurt them, but it's still, it's huge. It's a massive, uh, a massive person to kind of be able to take a storyline of, which I mean, both of them, right? You get Star Wars, you get Indiana Jones. I mean, these are, these are huge, which is cool. And I'm glad all that we know is just little teasers. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me excited because I was really upset when Disney, I think it was Disney, I could be wrong, but whoever it was that shut down Lucas LucasArts, I was very upset by that because I really love LucasArts games. Like even like some of their early, early stuff from like their point and click adventure games. Like, and the fact that it's, that it's come back yeah, and they're starting to come back. And they're starting their comeback with their two biggest IPs, their two biggest stories. Uh, it just shows me that they're ready to come out swinging. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what they bring to the table. Yeah, here's an old BBC article from April 4th, 2013. Walt Disney Company to shut down LucasArts, the game developer responsible for yeah. the Star Wars series. So this was 2013. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been seven years and they've, they've and come back. Yeah, and I and I should correct myself. It really isn't LucasArts. It's it's Lucasfilm Games. Yeah. So it's not it's not the same company as LucasArts, mm-hmm. but it's basically the same they, people you know, in the same it's minds. Like, exactly. It, it's yeah. definitely to bring it back, which makes sense. Let's let's give it like a more refreshed name because it has been seven years. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Another thing to kind of that I want to kind of bring up now too is because this is Bethesda. That's another company similar to EA that's been kind of having some issues. Now, obviously, this is a subsidiary oh. company, right? Like, this isn't actually, like, it's not the Bethesda who made you know, Fallout 76. You know, it's not that Bethesda. It is just part of them, right? And it's, I don't know, it's like, what do you, what do you, like, they, Bethesda's still going to have a say, right? They're still going to have some word into this in some direction, um, right. And now, I mean, this is another big title for them. And technically, the last thing that we've been getting from, well, I guess Doom Eternal. The, it's just so funny because Doom, everybody always knows Doom's going to be good. So you never count that. <laughs> it's kind of like Bethesda, you just think of them for in another category of like, okay, your Fallout Skyrim style, right? They kind of really burned hard with 76 because people wanted a new fallout and they didn't give that. So now we're in this period where it's been since 76 and they did such crap during that time. They were, they were being yeah. so weird, mongry, money hungry. They were giving out crud like merchandise that was literally awful. And they were just downhill, downhill, downhill. They're making like mobile games and all this kind of stuff. And now we're waiting for what was teased that Skyrim or sorry, an Elder Scrolls teased. They have that new, I always forget the name of it, that like space RPG. They teased that. We now have a tease of another Indiana Jones game. And I mean, these are, these are a lot of games. It's kind of like building up in Bethesda's arsenal and they're not really giving anything out. 
that's really helped prove them yet. So I like, I wonder how this is going to go. Cause it would kind of suck if let's say their next game is this, I don't, I just can't remember what it's called. Something with the, I don't know, something with space and, Oh, Starfield. That's it. Yeah. Starfield. I mean, Starfield kind of blows and they bomb that. It's like, congratulations. You did a bad job again. And now we're still more nervous about the sky. The Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> Elder Scrolls game comes out. It bombs. It's like, great. Now you have Indiana Jones. going to bomb that. too. <laughs> so it's kind of like, man, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Well, and, and the final point I, I wanted to, that I totally, totally did not think about till you mentioned bethesda as well this could mean that indiana jones is an xbox exclusive oh snap you're so right (gasps) because bethesda is now within microsoft no (laughs) saying it so bad (laughs) i know i i mean i could be wrong they they have it it is under their discretion to decide what games are exclusive and what are not holy crap this could be their uncharted this could be yeah. like Microsoft's Uncharted, literally, and be like Microsoft exclusive. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's why I'm saying like ever since Xbox, I guess, bought Bethesda or bought not Bethesda, but the uh, Zenimax. Yeah, Zenimax. Yeah. Uh, probably a lot of that stress has come down to them. But like, hey, we purchased you as to become a first party now under the Xbox umbrella. You need to bring some major IPs to make Xbox worth buying. And so there comes the idea of we can make the Indiana Jones IP and make it right with machine games because, and that's the other thing I'm sad about because I I've never owned an Xbox in my life. I'm not going to be able to play Wolfenstein three unless I buy an Xbox Uh, PC. The what PC probably. Yeah, that's true. You know, great point. Yeah. When, I, I always forget now that I have a PC <laughs> that yeah. Xbox kind of goes hand in hand with that. But, yeah. So that's very true. So so we may get Indiana Jones on PC. Yeah, for which sure. Gives me a little breath of fresh air there. But at that the same time, that, that was just something I was thinking about. I was like, oh, snap. This yeah. could be. No, that's a solid this, point. This could be away from PlayStation, which good for Microsoft if they get some great IP because honestly yeah, they need to they need they to they definitely have do. some to rival PlayStation and it's going to take them a while but it looks like they're trying to to shape up their teams in a way that's like we're going to be releasing games that are on par with PlayStations or at least we're going to attempt it yeah and then this, is, so, this is our attempt yeah. right this is our attempt this is our attempt to release games that are going to be rivaling you know what PlayStation has to offer, and so yeah. I'm very excited to see if they can do it. Um, I'd really, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them in a lot of ways because you know I don't want PlayStation to kind of always hold, you know, that that trophy of like we have the best exclusives because it kind of keeps them up in the air of like we're kind of cocky, you know. I kind of want to bring them down a peg. Get off your high <laughs> horse, <laughs> right? Give us something that rivals Xbox Game Pass now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So that's that's what we got, at least for today, for our main topics. Um, so CD yep. Projekt Red's their apology, and then Lucasfilm Games coming back, coming strong, or coming back to life, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and now we have some upcoming stuff, some pretty cool upcoming stuff. I didn't know about the first one that Max wrote down, um, but we have looks like four upcoming kind of bigger games, and then we have a, a little bonus film 
Um, so Max, I think we actually did a really solid two for two. If you want to go over the first two games, and I can kind of hit the last two games. Yeah, for sure. So the first one uh, released actually yesterday that I just want to put on people's radar is Scott Pilgrim versus the World Complete Edition. Um, so this was a game. It, it gosh, it was released a very long time ago, uh, but they just released a complete edition of it, and it is Ooh. very much kind of an old style arcade game uh like kind of like ninja turtles travel through time like you know like very like uh 2d just kind of navigating a one path uh navigation fighting enemies as you go through um but it's just with the story of the comic scott pilgrim and i'm a huge scott pilgrim versus the world fan i i really love the story of it how it's very how it's a love letter to video games in a lot of way and the music's really rad um but the art style of it is really fun too. It's, you know, the story of a boy who falls in love with this blue haired girl, um, while he's <laughs> dating an, another, another girl knives. And, uh, he decides to, that he's going to date, uh, miss blue hair. And basically she has Ramona flowers, Ramona flowers. Thank you. her name was escaping me for some reason, <laughs> It's all good. but she has seven deadly exes. And so, the point of the game and of course if you've seen the movie it pretty much follows that same story as well is you're going through this game and every level you fight one of her deadly exes um to win her heart and uh it's just such a fun game it's so metal it's not metal but it's punk it's just very like angsty punk rock this game is and um not not enough people play it I i highly recommend it uh, it's such a blast to play. I know I'm going to be buying it at some point. Just and it's hard. It's hard as heck. Like this is not an easy game, uh, and it's not very uh, forgiving. So just have a lot of fun with it if you like those. It's cheap. What? $14.99. Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's, Get it's it not Switch. expensive. Uh, for the Switch? Yeah. Snap. I'm going to get it on the Switch. <laughs> Sold. Um, dang, that's awesome. And then, of course, we spoke on it a little bit last week, but Hitman yeah. 3 was on the 20th. If you're a big Hitman fan, definitely check those games out. It looks like they're changing up the style of this one a little bit. I hear mm-hmm. like some of the levels are different from others, so it's not just the whole same uh, open space mission where you can kind of just assassinate your target however you wish. There apparently are like different styles of missions where you're more of like... Uh, Someone was saying there's there's an episode in the game that that kind of rivals the movie Knives Out, where it's kind of like a whodunit, and you're kind of like a detective or something in that in that mission. So it's not kind of interesting to me. Like I've I've never been a huge Hitman fan, but for anyone out there that loves those games, definitely give Hitman Three a try. Yeah, and then the last two that we have, um, I don't know too much about this first one. I, I have just seen a bunch of the trailers that have been coming out. Uh, it's called The Medium. That comes out on the 28th, so it's towards the end. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of trailers for it throughout kind of this past like COVID year of weird trailers and video announcements and whatnot. And the medium one, it's definitely kind of like on that horror esque kind of style of game where yeah, you, yeah, you, you play as a medium. And so obviously you like traverse the, um, I don't know, like different, not worlds, but like spaces. 
it dimensions, defi- yeah. dimensions that's the right word um and so it's definitely been eye-catching because there's like some really cool looking visuals like the trailers and whatnot have a very kind of gives me like I would say like almost like revamped until dawn look to it were very they look like very real characters almost and the worlds like flip upside down kind of like stranger things where there's the upside down which is the same world but in like the different dimension um yeah so there's like that whole thing going on so definitely not a game that i'm into but it looks like a really fun game to watch uh so i think whenever this game comes out i'll probably really enjoy seeing some streamers i'm hoping some of the big streamers uh start like playing this game so that comes out on the 28th and then additionally on the 28th i just thought this was kind of cool to make note uh the yakuza remastered collection also comes out uh, during on the 28th so those are kind of pc right e, uh it just sort of says ps4 xbox one then pc i don't know if this is the first oh let's see august 20th 2019 was when a game on the ps4 and then the 28th is when it comes to xbox and pc so this is the xbox pc release comes out on the 28th as well so that's super exciting because that's yakuza 3 4 and 5 yeah Um, and that will officially mean that every single yakuza game is on pc oh wow that's cool that's really exciting for me yeah that's a that's a big one then for sure um and then the last thing that we have (laughs) we we got kind of teased Max and I, well, I thought, and then I kind of teased everybody else thinking that's what it was. Um, it's Spider-Man, I swear. Uh, like Tom Holland tweets, and all he says is 14-1-2021. And I'm like, bro, Spider-Man. <laughs> like, that's where my mind goes. But no, alas, that is for another pretty cool-looking one. I'll give it this. I watched the video. It looks good. Uh, it is a movie called Cherry. Uh, unfortunately, this is a Apple TV exclusive, though. So if you don't have Apple TV, you cannot watch this, which I do. I bought a new phone, and they gave me Apple TV for a year. So this thing better come out before the end of the year, because then I can watch it and share it. Um, it is directed by the Russo brothers. It come out March 12th, so you definitely can watch it. Oh, it, okay, sweet. Yeah, so I can, you know, I'll definitely try to host maybe like a little watch party for it. Um, directed by the Russo brothers, which they did the Marvel films, right? Oh yeah, so that's so they that's did exciting. The event, like the, the, event, like, the uh, Avengers films stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a big one. Uh, it definitely. So the, the the movie what it's about is a. I can't tell the time frame. It looks a little older, but not like not like World War Two by no means. But the main character yeah. played by Tom Holland, he goes into the military. He has some PTSD. He suffers a lot of depression. There's a, a love life, love interest in his life that you can definitely tell they have some conflict because of his uh, new habits. He becomes addicted and he becomes a robber. So he like robs banks. Um, that was kind of the most of what they gave in the trailer. I would definitely go check it out. Uh, it's it's very fun to see Tom Holland take on these different kind of uh, roles. We saw a little bit of this in that Netflix film. I forgot the name of it. Do you remember the name of that the one? The Devil All the Time. Yes, which was a super unique uh, Tom Holland kind of acting. 
So that was cool. Uh, and I think this is going to follow the same suit. It's definitely obviously less Spider-Man, more like serious Tom Holland. Uh, and it will, I, I think it'll be cool. I think it's going to be, I said it'd be kind of intense because some of these, at least oh, in the yeah, trailer, some of the be moments. going to be a really dark movie for sure. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so when, when did you say that came out? March, what? Uh, so it comes to theaters on February 26th and it'll release on Apple TV on March 12th. Oh, sweet. So that's uh, pretty soon. Just a couple of months away. Uh, yeah. So I'll definitely be checking that out. Maybe I'll host like a little watch party. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but that's all that's all we got that's what that's what's upcoming uh exciting really? stuff for sure but not extremely exciting but hey you know maybe someone out there is just dying to play scott pilgrim now which it looks pretty cool <laughs> looks pretty dope i hope so man that's a fun one uh so max what have you been playing so yeah so i really uh, oh yeah i finally beat trails of cold steel 4 you did this i week. see it's not on the list good job yeah it is officially done uh 91 hours <laughs> or 94 oh hours i should say game gracious play. honestly 20 hours of that was literally talking to every single npc oh um <laughs> in every town probably content um, lore lore yeah because honestly you could beat that game in like 60 hours i totally took my time with it and just you know just enjoyed every second of it it was beautiful the ending was perfect i loved it it ended the saga of cold steel it felt it felt like avengers endgame and now that i'm thinking about it it's kind of kind of cool that's awesome yeah so i i really enjoyed it definitely glad it made my top 10 and that i was able to play it again yeah <laughs> yeah for that sure small season time when i lost control of it um and so yeah i kind of had to kind of figure out what else i was going to play and so i decided uh you know i'm always kind of playing a jrpg on something uh so i decided i would boot up yakuza like a dragon uh, which is the newest yakuza game and got it on the pc looks beautiful uh playing it on you know with like really high resolution and i'm it kind of made me convinced like you know if i ever want to go back and play the original seven yakuza games um i need to just get them all on pc because it's kind of the best way to play them in my opinion now um and i've played i've played like a dragon for a few hours and honestly it's taken everything i i loved about yakuza and changed the one thing i didn't quite enjoy which was the fighting style and changed it into something i do love it feels like persona meets yakuza and i am all in like i like this is already in these first few hours i'm like this is the yakuza game i've always wanted um because i've always loved the story of the yakuza games i've always loved the wet the wackiness the the world the how real it feels to japan but i never I never loved the gameplay of it and this has changed that for me. And so I can, I can already tell like if they stay with this style moving forward, I will play every single one of these games. Um, and honestly, I still want to play the original seven. It's just that they're all so much the same. Like you're in the same town, every single game you're in, um, you're playing the same person every single time, the same mini games. It, it's really just the story that's different. And the story is always worth it. It's just 
how how many times can you play in the same world seven times before it gets old? You know, it's kind of that whole mm-hmm. idea like with Assassin's Creed where it's like it's starting to get kind of stale. And so I'm so glad that they changed up the style of the game to play like an RPG. Really, the battle style is is pretty much just Persona, um, but in the best way possible. And uh, it's in a different town. So now it's like a whole new place that I've never seen before. So it just feels like such a refreshing change. And I am all in. I'm ready to play this game all the way through, the, through to the end. Um and so I highly recommend it. It's super fun. It's completely dubbed, and the voice acting is incredible. Um, and honestly, the main character is so much better than Kirito Kagiyami was in the original seven games because Kirito was always a great protagonist, but he always kind of felt um, dull. Like, like there wasn't a lot to him. He was just always like the perfect fighter, the perfect guy. Didn't have, Didn't emote a lot but he was just this steadfast rock, this person you could depend on. And you play as this character called Ichiban, who is very much kind of a hero to the, to the misfits. You know, he, he was raised in a brothel, uh, raised on dragon quest. And so when you play him as a Yakuza, uh, lackey at the beginning of the game, uh, he's very much, wants to be a hero. He wants to treat people with respect, even the people he beats up for money. Like he kind of like gives them a second chance. And he's like, you know, I was raised playing these dragon quest games and they kind of molded me to be the person I am. And so I want to be a hero. I want to be a hero that I played in dragon quest. And, um, honestly, I think that's why the title is called like a dragon. It's kind of like a, a little like kind of fun note towards dragon quest. So it's like, like a dragon. Oh, Nice. Um, but he's such a heartwarming character, um, has so much emotion uh, already, way more than Kirito. And I just feel like they they really have completely made every aspect of the Yakuza series better with this game. And I almost feel like I'm getting a fresh start with this series. And I I really essentially am. It's a completely new story. They finished Kirito's in um, Yakuza 6, uh, A Song of Life, but um, I'm very excited to see where this game takes me. Um, and then outside of that, when I can't be playing on my PC, uh, I'm going to be revisiting Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, which is the one of the free games on PS Plus this month. Uh, I love the Tomb Raider games. This is the final game in the trilogy that have been released recently within the last 10 years. Um, I've already played it once, but I've honestly played through the other two twice. And I just wanted to kind of revisit it. These games are kind of like uncharted to me where I can play them over and over and over again. And they get old for me. Like they're just kind of that perfect adventure game that I always love to pick up. um, That just feel like a good book. And uh, I'm just replaying it. It's a lot of fun. Now, did you say this? This isn't this is not the first one, correct? Correct. This is the final one. Um, So there's. there's the new this is the last one of the trilogy that crystal dynamics made and they these games are amazing like the the it's kind of like the 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 open worldness of it it's very much god of war-esque where it's not open world it's sub like like you know you have your areas you have like an overworld map but you're in a very specific small area where you have your collectibles your um tasks your side quests your main quests 
but it's that same kind of style as God of War, except that you have guns and a bow and mm. you kind of use stealth um, to hide from your enemies and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, but, but this is the third game, the final one, where it's it's it takes place, I believe, um, if I'm trying to remember correctly, in Peru. Uh, or it, it takes place around like the Aztec kind of stuff. Uh, I could be completely wrong on the environment. I, I still haven't started it yet, but I'm planning to start it tomorrow. Um, but I already forgot where it takes place. I think it's in Peru. Um, but, you know, there's Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is this third one. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and it's a phenomenal game. It's so, so good. Yeah, I know I, I, know I claimed it, and I think I have the first two then on Xbox, because I think Xbox has also given away the first and the second one via like mm-hmm. xbox live um like the game of the month as well throughout the years so yeah same with playstation they released them for free like, oh they the have few years. Oh, okay so i have to go through them i really want to you should man i i think if you enjoyed if you well yeah if you enjoyed uncharted and if you enjoy god of war you will yeah. really enjoy these games yeah i um, like i like that she's more of a um uh she's more of a badass like indiana jones it's just like a, yeah. a, it's a cool way of how they said all right we're gonna make a female indiana jones and she's gonna kick booty and i kind of like that i think it's fun so uh, i'm definitely yeah, excited to try it out Lara's a great character she's very tortured honestly Mm. like you know her story throughout this this trilogy it's kind of cool the first game really kind of shapes who she is as the tomb raider we know because at first she's just kind of lara croft this expedition person you know and throughout the first game she kind of has to claim her first life and Mm. how that how she reacts to that she learns how to fend for herself how to how to hunt like like you kind of do all of that with her so that by rise of the tomb raider she's now this experienced explorer who who's gotten some blood on her hands and then shadow of the tomb raider just kind of ramps it up to the nth degree in terms of she kind of does something i won't spoil anything but she kind of does something villainous at Mm. the beginning of the game that really scares her friends and the people around her in her life and she kind of spends the whole game kind of um making up for that you know like kind of finding redemption from that act and so it it, she's constantly straddling the line of you know good versus evil not good versus evil but like going too far into the darkness of like what you do like what you're willing to do to get what you want interesting yeah so sounds pretty cool sounds pretty it's pretty deep (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, like they they, they don't land it great, but oh, I mean, yeah. I could see what they were going for. Yeah. But honestly, the the gameplay of it is the best part of it. The story is is not the best part, but the exploration and the tombs and the the fighting, I, it's it's fantastic. Word, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then on my side, man. I finally got my first ever platinum on the PS uh, PS5 or so Ooh. my first ever platinum like ever too. Nice. <laughs> of, all, of all games, 
Bug snacks. Bug snacks. Very first platinum. And then like two days later, I platinum Astro because uh, that was a short one. But man, getting that. I, I got the platinum for Astro. And then there was a, there was like a bonus thing that you could do. Technically, you could platinum the game with 93% uh, completed. And oh. I got to the end and it was like, oh, to get 100%, do these time trial stuff. And I was, I was like, oh, you know, it's just one achievement. Like, I might as well. I literally have gotten everything else, you know. Holy yeah. crap. That was the hardest thing in the entire game. <laughs> doing these doing these like super fast missions felt harder than demon souls i was raging but i did it so i 100 percented both games yeah there you uh, go welcome bugs. to the platinum life oh my gosh it's so cool my trophies have skyrocketed in the past two weeks because <laughs> I've, I've never gotten i mean i got astro had like 30 something bug snacks at 30 i went up like 60 to 70 trophies and it was like it was crazy but bug snacks was an awesome game uh and i won't spoil too much for it but all i gotta say is if you haven't played it you plan on playing it make sure to watch after the credits bug snacks too people that's all i'm saying um astro was fun it was a massive nostalgic trip of just amazingness they had all these references to you know there's, there's four main worlds one world you get the, the ps1 the second world you get the ps2 third world the ps3 the fourth world you get the ps4 uh, and within those you get like artifacts uh, you get like you know in the ps1 world you get the console the slim one the controller this and they're all like interactive and fun stuff there's there's puzzles to find and there's a lot of fun stuff it was a really cool like sony thing and i was like you know leave it to sony man they give it to you free and it was just great and it the funny thing yeah. was is it felt like such a good game it was so polished you could totally tell that Sackboy and astro was made on the same engine 100 <laughs> percent. they're literally the nice. same style of game but that was fun so i did that uh this past week still playing demon souls uh, peter and i play it together so that kind of takes its time uh so we're still doing that nothing really too new on that front uh but then the the Wow, that was weird. But then the big game that I'm kind of playing on my own uh, is Stardew Valley. I mentioned it last week that uh, Stardew got its 1.15 update, so I decided to check it out. I'm currently 41 mods into the game. <laughs> I have 41 oh mods running on this thing, and oh my word, is it so good. I Man, it was like a work night the other night. I, uh, I usually get off work around 4-ish. So I started playing Stardew around 5. Peter finished dinner around 7. Me and him 8, and I think that's when we watched uh, the new anime show that I'm going to be talking about for my entertainment of the week. We watched that. Afterwards, I kept playing. Now again, this is like a work night, and because I am the equivalent to an old man, to me, work nights are like how school nights were. It was like, well, you gotta wake up early. Gotta go to bed by like nine or ten. It was midnight. <laughs> right. It was midnight, and I was like, I gotta go, man. <laughs> it's like, cause I, I could just keep going. It's just so much fun. Cause I realized through my first one hundred hours of this game, I missed out on a lot, and I haven't played the game in a while. Uh, 
one I, I have, but the like mobile versions, which is what I have, are like a good step behind uh, the PC version. So I've definitely missed out on like 1.14, 1.13. So I, I've definitely missed some iterations, which is definitely in my favor because my first 100 hours was very vanilla Stardew Valley. Very just like, hey, here's this, here's some cool side quests and whatnot. And now with all these massive updates that brought in new features for your farms, new quests, new UI things, mixing all this new content that um, uh, Concerned Ape made, in addition to the mods that I've added, is really making it feel like it's a brand new game. Because I have mods that are really affecting visuals, so the look of the game definitely has a new, kind of refreshing look that I haven't seen before, making me wanna dive in more, right? And then I have some like, some UI enhancements. I have some like quality of life enhancement that just make the game more fun. I downloaded a mod to have like a whole new cooking skill and then revamp this, revamp this. And so the combination between the mods and 1.15 and before it, it's felt like a new game. And I wouldn't be surprised if I get another hundred hours in this game and my total play time is <laughs> going to be like two something on this. So I've been playing oh, that. Nice. It's been, you know, I, I play this game. I have about like 20 tabs open up on like Stardew Valley Wikipedia pages. I have a farm planner opened up so I can plan out the layout of my farm. I'm, I'm investigating stuff and, <laughs> It's great. These are all the things I love. I love these kind of like tycoon style video games where you just plan things out. And I love farming games. I don't know why. I just love them. <laughs> I love Harvest Moon. That's awesome. Harvest Moon was so much fun. To me, Animal Crossing was very similar, just didn't have the farming aspect. I just love these style of game and I can easily put some hours. And Stardew does it right because Stardew isn't definitely is not just farming because you do some some fun quirkiness. There's some cool quests. There is definitely like a combat uh, piece to this thing, fishing, all that kind of jazz. Uh, so Stardew Valley, that'll be the big one. More than likely, we'll be hearing me say that on the podcast for the next few weeks, uh, kind of similar to to Max and uh, the game that he was always announcing. So get, buckle up, get ready to hear some Stardew Valley stuff yep, for the probably. next few months. <laughs> but yeah, so that's... We're just going to hear it for like the next year. Oh my gosh, Stardew for Valley. real. I've considered how much I could just put into this game, but... So that's me. That's, that's what I'm playing, but it's been fun. Nice. I like it. Well, then, should we end out with the entertainment of the week? Oh, yeah. Calling all weebs. We got some content for weebs. you guys. Both of us picked an anime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We sure did. Well, this, this honestly, this, this season, for those of you that don't watch anime, um, basically, new anime is released every season. So there's winter spring summer and fall um so every 12 weeks uh a new new series of anime are released in the in the dozens um and so normally every season there's usually like maybe one or two good shows to watch this winter literally so many seasons of shows came out that are just worth everyone's time promise neverland season two Dr. Stone season two, uh, Log Horizon zero season three, 
uh, Attack on Titan, the final season, Re Zero. Oh yeah, Re Zero. Yeah. Like, there's just too much to watch. Like, I had to settle on five shows, and I was like, I this is all I can keep up with. (laughs) Five shows, insane. That's awesome. I love that. But yeah, we both have um, we both have anime from this season. Um, and one, the one that I want to talk about is w- one of my five shows that I'm watching this season. It's called Eurocamp, uh, and it is so good. It, it it's not a slice of life per se. It's more of a just one of those chill shows that there's not really a story to it. This is just a show that highlights the beauty of. Um, northern japan near mount fuji and it's all about camping this show is literally it it's all the show is about every single episode is uh the main characters going to new campsites camping showing off their new equipment how they're cozying up the delicious food they're cooking and eating and taking in the amazing beautiful sunrises and sunsets wherever they're escaping to that weekend and that's all it is that it's that simple soothing music it's just it's a relaxing show it's kind of that it's a great um palate cleanser for more of the uh uh action heavy anime out there but it's just such a great show to just sit down with like a cup of joe and just relax and enjoy and uh just enjoy the beauty that you see and the beautiful music and you just kind of learn a new respect for camping and kind of learn some cool camping tricks that you may not have thought of. Um, And I've just really been appreciative of it, especially with how stressful the world is today. It's nice to have shows like this that really can just take your mind off that and just really kind of relax and um, just see some beauty. And uh, I I really appreciate that this season. I feel like more than any other show. Uh, And so that's my recommendation is Eurocamp season two just started this this um this week or last week i should say and all of season one is available on crunchyroll as well as the first two episodes of season two and it is highly worth your time it is just very very fun yeah i just texted julie saying that we have to watch it because it's about camping and that is like all up in my alley dude that's awesome i'll have to check it out oh yeah it's super chill just oh it's so great um and so then my anime it, uh, it too is featuring its season two starting yesterday is when it came out so it'll be a a thursday exclusive if you have crunchyroll premium which i guess means it'll be um friday past uh, for anybody else uh, but so that is dr stone uh, so dr mm-hmm. stone uh i watched um when did I don't remember when Peter and I started Dr. Stone. I guess it was 2020, the first one. Um, so we, we definitely binged that. It was great. Uh, it is a... <clears throat> I wouldn't say post-apocalyptic. Because uh, I don't really know if it's an apocalypse yet. We don't really know too much. But So the the entire world got turned into stone. Literally, the in, like the entire globe got turned into stone. It's been... Uh, thousands of years have passed uh, and a kid has since 
kind of been revived in a way. He's broken out of the stone and he just so happens to be a massive brainiac kind of scientist and he, he is trying to rebuild oh, society. Geez. Oh yeah. And he's, he's rebuilding society. Uh, it's, it, there's some quirkiness to it, some funniness to it, um, some sadness to it. There's definitely like an overarching pretty deep story where you, uh, you have two main kind of ways that people are wanting to rebuild society. So you have your main character who is wanting to rebuild it and rebuild it like better. That is the goal. He wants to, um, like make the society up to where it was and go beyond. And then there's another party where the leader of that kind of group is definitely pretty hurt from the previous life, I believe. I, I think so. We haven't gotten too much about it yet, but he definitely wants to go down more of the route of no grownups suck. Like, why do we want these people? <laughs> we only want like the righteous kids to come back and we're going to start right. this world free and no rules sort of a thing. And it's going to be greater in that way. And so they're very conflicting kind of concepts because one likes the rules and the order and that type of deal. And the other guys, more of like no freedom kids are better than adults and uh so these are like the two paths uh, and but in, in between it season one was all kind of about obviously your main character and how he's using science to build and create some pretty awesome things anywhere from ramen to like a cell phone uh, so it's pretty cool and season two started which is called um, what is it? The, the what wars, the stone wars, stone wars. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's Dr. Stone, the stone wars, which is where obviously these two conflicting, I guess, tribes, uh, are gonna yeah. potentially go to war. So if it sounds interesting, definitely watch season one. It's one of those animes that doesn't take too long to watch. Cause you do definitely get enthralled into it pretty easily. It's a pretty interesting concept. Uh, and if you're interested in it, it started yesterday, so you can definitely watch it weekly every Thursday, uh, starting now, and just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. It's not as chill as Eurocamp sounds, but it's definitely uh, definitely on, on, a, on a chiller side. It's not always, you know, like combat and things like that. It really is fun and kind of you kind of learn a little bit. Don't try anything at home that you watch on it, but <laughs> it is kind of cool. You, you learn some things yeah. that you didn't really you didn't really know was how it's something very, was made yeah it's very different from your typical shonen in a in a very mm-hmm. refreshing way for sure uh, it's, it's like bill nye the science guy meets uh shonen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely but so i think with that it's wrapping up uh, episode 10 making it to the double digits uh, and I did want to just quickly say a small little aside for those who might be watching us, or I should say, sorry, listening to us on one of our beautiful podcasts out there, whether you be on Apple or Spotify or Simplecast, if you're listening to us right now, we have, we kind of have something we want to tell you. And that is that you should totally join us live 730 every Friday for a little 
pre-show action. Uh, today, Max and I actually talked about something that wasn't discussed during the podcast, and that was WandaVision and kind of uh, some topics around the Marvel Universe, I would say. Uh, you have a little bit more chance to interact with us live. You can even ask us questions or whatnot through the chat. And it's just like a way to be able to kind of get some extra content. And it's also a way because it is a little hard to interact when we are live because we are definitely getting deep into these conversations. So we kind of <laughs> adding this little pre-show stuff to kind of interact with the community a little bit better and also just talk about some extra stuff that isn't making it to the podcast just to give a little a little flavor so if that sounds interesting to you definitely join us at 7 30 p.m eastern time uh, every friday and if we aren't going live obviously we will let you all know but yeah just wanted to throw that out there awesome well i think that concludes calling all nerds episode 10 and we will see all of you next week Yes, we definitely will. See you later, friends. Talk to you all soon. Peace.